Because if you were not here, I would be speaking to the wall. I've done it before, though. I mean, it's not as fun, but, you know, it does work. Because God's Word is true. God's Word does not lie. His Word will be fulfilled because it is true. Amen. And we can hope and trust in our God. Now, last week, we talked about uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, as far as we got. Because we talked extensively on rejoicing in the Lord. And rejoicing, and, and the word that goes with that, joy, are not related to what's going on in your life. In fact... Many times you have joy in spite of what's going on in your life. Happiness, by the other, on the other hand, is based upon happenings. What's going on in your life? How are things going? Are they going well? Well, you can be happy about that. But joy, true joy, comes from the Lord. And we talked about how it was a rejoicing in the Lord. It wasn't a rejoicing in the circumstances. It was rejoicing in the Lord our God. And then the, set, the fifth verse talks about, it says, let your gentleness be known unto men. And in my studies, I found out that that meant that you were not supposed to try to get revenge upon other people or to get even with other people. You have to let those things go and let your gentleness be known. And the reason is because Jesus is coming back. We don't know when he's coming back, but we believe that he could come back in our lifetime. And, you know, I, I hope that you are ready to go for that and that, that you will be there in heaven with all of us because that's what we want. Amen. We want everyone that can be there to be there. In, in Philippians 4, verse 6, it says this, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Well, you know, I got this rocking chair up here. You probably wonder what that was all about. Because being anxious is worrying. You know, that's what it is. So... But if I were to sit in this rocking chair and I would say, you know what? I don't have a job. I wonder if somebody's going to give me a job. Man, I worry that I'm going to get a job. I don't know if I'm going to get a job or not. I could start up in the morning worrying about that job, looking at the paper, seeing jobs. Well, I wish they'd call me. They aren't going to call you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, you see what I'm saying? You know, if you could just sit there worrying about that all day long, you're not going to get anywhere. In the evening, you'll be right in the same spot because you just, you're just sitting there worrying. Where, on the other hand, if you would go to the newspaper and look up for jobs or if you would go into any place that has a help-wanted sign in their window, Or if you would go to one of the labor-ready places, you would find that they have part-time jobs that you could apply for, and you would very well get a job. So 
you need to put some legs on your prayers in that respect. Now, we had people that were prayed for for healing for Sunday. We had people that were prayed for for healing tonight. Let's talk about that. Be anxious for nothing. Let's not worry about it. Let's put it in God's hands. We did our part. We prayed. We followed the reading of the scripture that said anoint with oil and prayer for the sick. And then we're going to talk about a little bit further on tonight what our mindset should be because this is kind of like kingdom attitudes. What we should do, what we should say. Are you listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth? One comedian said, right? Or did you see the words that are coming out of my mouth? Have you watched the words that are coming out of your mouth lately? Are they words of worry and stress? Or are they words of praise and looking unto God? Hmm. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So be anxious for nothing. Boy, I wish it was that easy just by saying it that we could do it. But all of the kingdom attitudes that we have are kind of a training of our mind. You know, we have this mind inside of us. Scientists tell us that we use less than 10% of our brain. Scientists also, well, Christian scientists, will tell us that Adam used 100% of his brain, right? And that's why he could have all the animals come to him and he could name each one of them. He could tend the, the Garden of Eden. We don't know how long he was there, but, but he had 100% of his brain working. And here we are, because of the fall and because of this thing and that thing, we have about 10% of our brain working. I know I'd like to have more of my brain working, don't you? But it's all a part of submitting. That's a part of submitting ourselves unto God. Some people have asked me before, well, how do you remember all those scriptures? You know, you quote those scriptures sometime. Well, because I put the scripture into my brain. You know, brain's like a computer. What you put in is what's going to come out usually. And if you put enough of the scripture in there, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. Someone once asked uh, a friend of mine, he says, man, I'm having a struggle with my thought life. I can't get control of it. And uh, what came to my friend was, this he says uh, 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 you know how many r-rated movies are you watching and the gen the gentleman had to confess well yeah i have been watching r-rated movies you watch r-rated movies it's going to be junk i tell you what you're going to get a lot of junk given into your mind that doesn't come from the word of the lord and it's not going to be a blessing to you and we could dare say that there may be some other movies that are not R-rated that might do the same thing, <laughs> and even television programs. You can't even trust the television nowadays. They used to filter stuff, and uh, you, you might say, well, man, I always wanted to watch that movie, but it was R-rated. I wasn't going to go see it at the movie theater, but now it's on TV, and it was R-rated then. But they used to filter it and cut out the cuss words and all that. They don't anymore. You can't even watch them anymore. Let, let me give you a guide. If you wouldn't want your children to be watching or listening to what you're watching or listening, then maybe you shouldn't be either. <laughs> okay. I'll let that ride. Let it go where it needs to go. 
But let's get back to the word here. Worry, being anxious for something, doesn't accomplish anything. Jesus himself said this. You can't, by worrying, add one inch to your stature, to your height. You can't. So worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Gets us nowhere. So what are we supposed to do? Paul tells us here, he's the author of Philippians. He says, in everything by prayer. In everything. What's the first thing that you do when something goes wrong? Hopefully it's pray. Hopefully that's what you do. And prayer, by the way, is not you putting a laundry list of what you want God to do and then going to God with your laundry list, your to-do list, and saying, God, this is what I would like, this is what I would like, this is what I would like, this is what I would like. Like God's a spiritual Santa Claus. Prayer is two-way. It's you listen to God, and then you talk. You listen to God, and then you talk. So you may have been wondering, maybe you've never seen Sister Virginia pray for somebody before, but she talks in tongues, and then she prays, and then she talks in tongues some more, and then she prays. What's she doing? She's getting listening to what the Lord's saying when she's speaking in tongues. And then she's speaking what the Lord's saying. Prayer, just like with your spouse or your significant other or your friend, if you wanted to have a conversation with them, would it be all one-sided? Of course not. Because what I said was, if you wanted to have a conversation with them, with them. So in order to have a conversation with someone, it means that you've got to talk and then you've got to listen. Right? And you might say, well, God's not talking to me lately. I've heard people say that. God's not talking to me lately. You got a whole bunch right here that God talked to you. It's all right here. <laughs> a wonderful word, like I, old hymn we used to sing, wonderful words of life, right there in the Scripture. Scriptures of salvation, Scriptures of hope, Scriptures of healing, Scriptures of promise. They're right there. Also, Scriptures to protect us, to guard us from evil. They're all right here. We just got to read it. Praise the Lord. So then, as you do that, then in your prayer time, God can bring that scripture back to your mind. As you pray, this is what Jesus promised. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come, He will remind you of the words that I have spoken. That means I can lay hold of that promise for myself and then... I can count on Holy Spirit reminding me of every place this word, everything this word says, my Bible. I can count on Holy Spirit to remind me of that. Amen. Will he remind me of things I have not read? He might. 
He might. Or he might remind you of more likely of things that you have read. And so we need to read the word of God and get it into our hearts, get it into our lives, because it does speak life unto us. But there's also another part of prayer, and that is believing God. Believing that God will answer prayer. So when we go to God, we need to really believe that he is great. We need to really believe that he's our creator. We need to really believe that there is no one like unto him. And when we do that, then we come into his presence And we begin to believe then that he is able to answer our prayers. And we begin to believe, too, that he really loves us. That he's going to answer our prayers just like he answers Sister Lucia's prayer, Sister Regina's prayer. He's going to answer our prayers because he loves us. Well, God don't love me, you might say. I got to get this oil off the floor. God don't love me. How do you know? Where do you read that God doesn't love you? You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, John 3.16, one of the best known verses in the Bible, says this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loved us so much that he was willing to send his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. And Jesus loved us so much that he willingly came and he did it. And Jesus has already prayed for you. Read John 17 after you go home tonight. Jesus prayed this for his disciples. He says, I don't just pray for them, but I pray for all who will believe because of their word. He prayed for you. Amen. Because Jesus loves you so much. He loves you. Praise the Lord. And then we talk about supplication in this verse. And supplication means I'm getting right down to the brass tacks. Something specific that I need prayer for. Or maybe the prayer chain has been activated. Somebody needs prayer. Or maybe somebody just comes to my mind. And I need to pray for them specifically. You know, I just had my 52nd class reunion. And you know... Ever since I've had that, Brother Sherman, some of these people have come to my mind. Why? Well, it's nice to think about them, you know, and I remember them. But then, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me? To pray for them. And then, not only that, God has a sense of humor. One of their family members is running for public office, so they've got their name published all over the county. So so now I need to pray for him every time I see the sign, right? Amen. And that's okay. Whenever you remember, now let me tell you this, whenever you remember Pastor Kevin, while he's gone down in Mexico, you really need to pray for him down there, that God would be with him. So every time he comes to your mind, instead of saying, well, (laughs) Pastor Kevin's gone sure do miss him wonder when he's coming back wonder how how he's doing down there in mexico 
man, I worry about him because it's not safe down there. That's a third world country after all, you know. And, and boy, I'm just going to, I, I guess I'll just ride my rocking chair because that's about the best I can do. No, get up off your rocking chair. If you remember Pastor Kevin, pray for him. And if you remember something specifically that's brought to your mind by the Holy Spirit, pray specifically for that. Let me just give you an example. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you think of Pastor Kevin. And you just, as you're thinking of that and you're falling off to sleep again, you start, you remember, oh yeah, I was supposed to pray for him. And then you think, oh man, there's somebody driving on a crazy road they need protection. Maybe that's Pastor Kevin. And you know what Pastor Kevin says about Brother Tino's driving? It improves his prayer life. <laughs> but, but pray and pray then specifically for Pastor Kevin and for others when you remember them in prayer. That's what supplication is. Uh, years ago, there was a Christian comedian and he, was, he said this about praying and supplicating. He said, if I got a need, I'm going to go in and crawl on my bed, throw myself on the bed and cry out, God, I need you. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. If that's what God is leading you to do, be open and ready then to receive what God has for you. And then that verse says, be thankful. Ten lepers came to Jesus for prayer. And he said to them, go and see the priest. So they started out. One of them returned back and said, fell down at his feet and began to thank him. And Jesus said, weren't there ten that were healed? And yet only this one Samaritan has come to give thanks. He wasn't putting the Samaritan down. He was just pointing out that Jewish people should have been thankful, and yet this Samaritan was the one that was thankful. So Paul is telling us here in this passage, when you pray, be sure to be thankful. And sometimes, do we need to be praying, be thankful before we receive the answer? Yes. That's a good thing. Thank you, Lord, for touching me. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings. Just begin to thank him. Now, you know that there are three entities that will try to affect your thinking. Number one is you. And don't think that's the least troublesome. Because <laughs> sometimes you can be the most troublesome. Number two is God. And God is trying to influence your thinking. And number three is the enemy, and he's trying to attack your mind and attack your thinking. So who do we believe? Who believes in us? God does. And so we stand on the word of God. We don't stand on the word of the enemy. Some of you might go home tonight, and on your way home, the enemy might start talking to you and trying to tell you, well, you're no good. You're not able to receive anything. You didn't receive anything, in fact. In fact, let me just tell you, my 
my father was an evangelist, and, and he also pastored, and he was here for a while before he went to be with the Lord. But he said when he was an evangelist, uh, he would also sing, and he'd carry it in his own equipment. And he had a prayer line and during, the, during the service, and this lady had a problem with her back. And he prayed for her, and he felt that the Lord had touched her back. And so at the end of the service, he was had finished ministering to everyone, and he was pushing his equipment out, loading his equipment up, and here was this lady standing in the foyer. And he overheard her talking to somebody. And they asked her, well, how are you doing? She said, oh, my back is hurting. And what Dad said was this. From the altar where she had received her touch to the back door, she had already, by the words of her mouth, lost her healing because she did, she did not believe what God had done in her body. So what have we got to do? We've got to continue to speak the word of God by his stripes. I am healed. I know that God cares for me. I know that God loves me. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to thank God for his touch because I know that my God is able. There is nothing impossible to for him. And then number five point I've got up here is this. Do what you can and then let God do the rest. How many times have we asked God to do something and then we've got our Nose right back in it. Good example of that. Man, I've been praying for my kids. I just don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. You know, they're, they're ser- some of them are serving the Lord, some of them are not. I just don't know. Man, I wish that they would. I wish that they would serve the Lord. And, you know, I just got to hope that they are serving the Lord. But instead of doing that, Say, Lord, I believe you. You said in your word that if we will train up a child in the ways of the Lord, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Can I get a witness? Come on. Amen. Yes. So that then I can stand on that word of God. I'm going to tell you a little story. So my youngest son, my three oldest or serving the Lord. My youngest son was in the Marines. When he got out, he he was not living for the Lord, really. And he started tending bar. And so I didn't worry about that. I did. I did. It concerned me, yeah. I, I see the difference in concern and worry, right? <laughs> so, but what did I do with that concern? I brought it to the Lord. I said, Lord, Take away that job that he's got serving bar. Give him a different job, Lord. Get him out of there, Lord. And he was moving up. He was the manager of it then. But he always enjoyed, because he was, say, that he was an expert in mixology, I think is what they call it, right? You know. So he, he said, oh, he was proud of, of that, that what he could do. But I said, Lord, get him out of that. And you know what? The Lord has. And he's been out of tendon bar for about five years now. He keeps coming, keeps coming, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. He's got two, I got two grandkids, 
when I go to see them, I always have prayer for the meals. I always talk about Jesus. Why? Oh, Lord, I wish they'd get in church. Oh, Lord, man, I, I don't know if they're ever going to get in church. You know, they just don't, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, Lord, Lord, you know where they are. Get them in church, Lord. Fi help them to find a place of worship that will teach them the word of God. That's what we got to do. Instead of sitting there worrying, we pray about it and we give them to the Lord. Because we know that God's already started to work. Amen. Philippians 1, 6 says, He which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Whew. Did you hear what I said? He that has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. God's peace is not man's peace. Now, the, the Greek word is irene, but it means this, prosperity, peace, quietness, and rest. Now, I had prostate cancer. It's been about four or five years ago now. I guess. I don't remember. I've recovered. Give it to the Lord. When I found out I had it, I came for prayer. Amen. And when I had prayer, I believed God for what God was going to do. Now, they still wanted to remove it and the doctor did, and they removed it. But you know what? When the doctor found out, he was a little sheepish because he had to come in and tell me, well, you know, it's not spread. It's all there right in the prostate. It's, it's, that's what we saw. <laughs> because God touched me. Amen. You know what? I was not worried when I went into surgery. I had the peace of God. I had the peace of God. I believed God that he was going to be with me and that he was going to bring a good outcome. Amen. And he did. Praise the Lord. The peace of God is beyond all logical explanation. Can't explain why you're feeling in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trial, you're feeling as if everything's going to be okay? That's the peace of God. The peace of God keeps you. And notice what it keeps. He keeps our hearts where our emotions are. Because I want to tell you, when they told me your dad had prostate cancer and he died from metastasis, and you now have that. Anytime they say the C word, you know, it's just a fear that tries to grip your heart. I just said, Lord, I'm going to commit it to God. I'm going to let God be my peace. 
I'm going to let his peace touch my heart. Keep my emotions from running away with me. Keep my emotions calm. And he did. The peace of God is like a sentinel that guards us. You know, a sentinel is outside of a military base watching out for the enemy. The peace of God will keep us. The peace of God guards our minds, which is where we're logically trying to figure everything out. Well, if I do this, then this will be okay. If I do this, then that'll be, and I'll try to figure it out all on my own. The peace of God will keep our minds from racing. I know what racing minds are all about. I remember when I was growing up, going in after bed and going in and talking to my mom and saying, I can't get to sleep. My mind won't stop thinking. My mind was racing. You know, a lot of you have dealt with that. What do we do? We commit our thoughts unto the Lord and let the Lord guard our brain, our mind. Because remember, there are three places thoughts come into our mind. One is us, one is the Lord, and one is the enemy that tries to attack our mind. So we have to guard our minds and put the Word of God in our minds and, and build ourselves up, be around good Christian people. You know, when I get up in the morning, I have a channel on my TV, I have direct TV. I have a channel on my TV that has Christian music. That's what I put on. Used to put on, I won't say the news because I don't like them, so I won't say it. <laughs> but I don't do that anymore. I don't need to know what the talking heads are saying. I put on the music, the Christian music, to see what, hear what God's Word is saying. And then I pick up the Word and I begin to read the Word as I have my tea and receive the Word of God into my heart. And I have, right now, if you were to go home to my house, you would hear the Christian music on. It's on. Because why? Because I want that to fill my house. Amen. Now, of course, I watch the Cardinals. And I'm going to watch them, too. You know, I fill my, fill my mind with the Christian music, the songs of rejoicing, the songs of praise in the Lord. You know, and if maybe you don't like contemporary Christian music, then listen to, to uh, the, the regular gospel or, or the uh, country gospel or the southern gospel, whatever it is. But get some Christian music going around you. And in your mind, on your radio, when you're driving down the road, find a Christian station that you can listen to that will minister unto you. Amen. And then when the Lord says, turn it off, turn it off and get with him. The Lord ever do that to you? He does to me. He says, turn that off. You know, I want some I want some me time, God says. I want some me time. So what do you do? Then you start praying and seeking his face talking listening talking listening you know just allowing the lord to minister to you okay i want us to go on to the next verse 
Oh, my goodness, it's already quarter after seven. Let's not, let's read this quickly, and then I'm going to read two more verses, and then we're going to close, all right? Here, I had all these things about these verses, but you, you know you've talked about these probably before yourself or read about them. But here's what it says. Finally, brethren and sisters, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Let me just give you three quick examples here. One time a young man said, my neighbor used to give me a ride, but they won't anymore. Well, the neighbor gave him a ride, and when he stopped at a store, he had left a $20 bill sitting on the dash, and now the kid took it, and so, of course, he's not going to give him a ride anymore. So where's the, what's, is that, is his angst against his neighbor righteous and just? No. It's based on wrong information and, and bad information that he has, his own thinking about himself caused him to think put badly about his neighbor. The next one I have here is God is telling me, and I got this one years ago from one of my professors. He was going to a charismatic renewal conference, and this was actually said there at this charismatic renewal conference. They said, God is telling me that I need to marry Susie. Well, and then looking at the situation, the speaker was actually in his 70s and was already married, and Susie was in her 30s. So there's a lot. You know, if we look at this passage of Scripture Rome in uh, Philippians 4.8, there's a lot that's, that's not true or noble or just or pure about all of the, both of those situations. And the final one I have is uh, this one is just real current because it happened today, and I heard it at the gas station. They said, the stupid bank robber got caught stealing $5,000. Happened, happened today, I guess. But, uh, okay, my, my thought was, okay, would $100,000 have made it okay? <laughs> he said, $5,000, he's a stupid bank robber. Okay, uh, the problem was not in getting caught. The problem is that stealing is a sin, Right? So it's not true, it's not pure, it's not a good report. It's not what we need to do. All right, Psalm chapter 19, verse 14 says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Something to ponder. Meditate on that. Good passage. But you know, this battle that we're in is a spiritual battle. And we can't fight it on our own. It takes a supernatural work of God's Holy Spirit to help us to renew our minds. And here's what the last passage I've got. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to obedience to Christ. So that I begin to say to that every thought is going to be mine. An enemy, you're not going to take it from me. God is going to give me his thoughts. And he's going to be in control. And I'm going to have the mind of Christ. Do you want that? Stand with me if you will. There's a good prayer in the book of James. It says this. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. 